guys and welcome to Selfie. Well, Selfie is technically on hiatus for a couple weeks. Matthias is busy finishing his second book. And in the spirit of self-care, I must admit that I am just busy doing life. Four kids in a million different activities back at school. Um, I am also building up my private practice and I found myself a tiny bit overwhelmed. Um, in all the good ways, I cannot complain. I may have, as they say, girl bossed a little too hard, but I have a very full caseload right now. Um, and so we are just taking a little break to make sure that we are feeling balanced and practicing what we preach. That having been said, in the next couple weeks, I am going to be airing some of the best of interviews from Selfie from the last three to four years. A number of these interviews, you know, they ended up on the back end of longer conversations. The one that's airing today aired right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I think some of them um, did not see the light of day as much as we would have hoped. And some of them are fantastic conversations. So the one I'm bringing you today is a conversation I had with Glennon. Glennon Doyle. She is an incredible author and speaker. Um, her latest book, Untamed, is a fantastic exploration into the ways that women have been conditioned in our society to make themselves smaller. This is one of my favorite interviews that we've done on Selfie. I think it is really applicable to all women, but I hope men will give it a listen too. And if you have partners who are male, um, might be worth listening to them as well, because I think we touch on some themes that are quite universal. So I hope you enjoy. Glennon is the author of the new book, Untamed. We started this conversation off with each of us reading a segment from our own books that we felt had a lot of overlap with each other's books. So we start with me reading a segment from Rage Against the Minivan, followed by Glennon reading a segment from Untamed. As the kids are getting older, we also have real life dramas, broken hearts and social issues and challenges in school and therapy appointments. We are far from perfect. And yet I think we are very typical. We're an average, okay, mostly happy family. And my ongoing challenge is learning that this is enough. It's still a constant temptation to compare my life to the highlight reel people post online. Once I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw a f- the photos of a friend on a Hawaiian vacation with her kids. And as I looked at their photos, I had this pang of jealousy. I was thinking, wow, they really go on a lot of trips. I wish I was able to do that. I want to be a family that travels more. They look like they're having so much fun. Then I realized that I was looking at my phone at an Airbnb in Palm Springs where I was staying with my kids for a week. I was jealous of someone else's family vacation while I was on my own awesome vacation. Oh, God. This is how absurd social media FOMO can be. The truth is that contentment is an inside job. So is authenticity. Our validation doesn't come from magazines, blogs, Facebook feeds, or even your best friends. It doesn't come from looking like you have it all together online. It's easy to spend our time trying to manufacture the visuals of contentment or longing for the images of happiness that permeate social media. It's harder, but more rewarding to dig into our own lives to do the work of finding gratitude and satisfaction in our private moments. The struggle to be happy and content with yourself is a journey. Over the years, I've worked hard at settling into peace with being a good enough mom while maintaining some sense of my own identity outside of parenting. And that's what raging against the minivan has come to mean to me. It's the quiet rebellion against obsessing over the optics and outcomes of motherhood. From the kind of car we drive to looking like we have it all together. It's about opting out of the comparison game and giving ourselves permission to fail, to get back up, and to love with our whole hearts again the next day. Mm, so good. 
So good. Mm. Okay. So this chapter is called Ghosts from Untamed. Okay, it starts with a a quote that says, "Um, I was born a little broken with an extra dose of sensitivity. Some horse shit I wrote about myself in my first memoir. When I was in my 20s, I believed that somewhere there existed a perfect human woman. She woke up beautiful, unbloated, clear-skinned, fluffy-haired, fearless, lucky in love, calm and confident. Her life was easy. She haunted me like a ghost. I tried so hard to be her. In my 30s, I gave that ghost the finger. I quit trying to be the perfect woman and decided to celebrate my imperfection. I claimed a new identity, jacked up human. I announced to anyone who would listen, I'm a hot mess and proud of it. I love this crappy version of humanity that I am. I am broken and beautiful. F you, perfect woman. The problem was that I still believed that there was an ideal human and that I was not her. The problem was that I still believed in ghosts. I had just decided to live in defiance of perfection. Rebellion is as much of a cage as obedience is. They both mean living in reaction to someone else's way instead of forging your own. Freedom is not being for or against an ideal, but creating your own existence from scratch. A few years ago, Oprah Winfrey was interviewing me about my first memoir. She opened the book and read my words back to me. I was born broken. Then she paused to look up, looked up from the page and asked, would you still describe yourself that way as broken? Her eyes sparkled. I looked at her and said, no, actually I wouldn't. That's ridiculous. I think this sort of thing is why Jesus only wrote in the sand. Broken means does not function as it was designed to function. A broken human is one who does not function the way humans are designed to function. When I think about my own human experience, what honest people have told me about their human experiences, and the experiences of every historical and contemporary human being I've ever studied, we all seem to function in the exact same way. We hurt people, and we are hurt by people. We feel left out, envious, not good enough, sick and tired. We have unrealized dreams and deep regrets. We are certain that we were meant for more and that we don't even deserve what we have. We feel ecstatic and then numb. We wish our parents had done better by us. We wish we could do better by our children. We betray and we are betrayed. We lie and we are lied to. We say goodbye to animals, to places, to people we cannot live without. We are afraid of dying, also of living. We have fallen in love and out of love and people have fallen in love and out of love with us. We wonder if what happened to us that night will mean we can never be touched again without fear. We live with rage bubbling. We are sweaty, bloated, gassy, oily. We love our children. We long for children. We do not want children. We are at war with our bodies, our minds, our souls. We are at war with one another. We wish we'd said all those things while they were still here. They're still here, and we're still not saying those things. We know we won't. We don't understand ourselves. We don't understand why we hurt those we love. We want to be forgiven. We cannot forgive. We don't understand God. We believe. We absolutely do not believe. We are lonely. We want to be left alone. We want to belong. We want to be loved. We want to be loved. We want to be loved. If this is our shared human experience, where did we get the idea that there is some other, better, more perfect, unbroken way to be human? Where is the human being who is functioning correctly against whom we are all judging our performances? Who is she? Where is she? 
And what is her life if it is not these things? I got free the moment I realized that my problem isn't that I'm not a good enough human. My problem is that I'm not a good enough ghost. If I don't have to be a ghost, I don't have a problem. If you are uncomfortable, in deep pain, angry, yearning, confused, you don't have a problem. You have a life. Being human is not hard because you're doing it wrong. It's hard because you're doing it right. You will never change the fact that being human is hard. So you must change your idea that it was ever supposed to be easy. I will not call myself broken, flawed, or imperfect anymore. I will quit chasing ghosts because the the chase left me weary. And because I am a woman who no longer believes in ghosts. Allow me to rewrite my own self-description. I am 44 years old. With all my chin hairs and pain and contradictions, I am flawless and broken. There is no other way. I am haunted by nothing. So good. Mm. I love that. I love, there's so much to unpack there. Um, But I love you describing this sort of messy human experience as just a, you know, an inevitable part of our life, you know, that we, um, we will have pain. We will betray. We will, we will feel betrayed. We will compare. We, you know, the, these are, you know, not broken aspects of ourselves, but human aspects of ourself. I mean, I wrote that essay because it, it's still, it's like this thing that swirls inside me every time somebody describes themselves as imperfect. Mm-hmm. Does it make any sense to me? Yeah. Like as a words person, I'm obsessed with like labeling things correctly. Yeah. And whenever people are talking about, well, I'm not perfect. I'm like, what do you mean? And if you say, what do you mean? They'll say, well, I, I get really angry. I have a temper. I lose a blah, blah, blah. And I'm, they will just list things yeah. that are human. Yeah. They're just human things. Yeah. Right? Well, and we live in this, you know, we love, we love binaries and false dichotomies. And so we think that we're either perfect or we're imperfect. And maybe we're in a messy middle. Maybe that's where life lives. Yeah. Or maybe like, we're, maybe all of those things just are perfect. Like maybe, per- because if there's no ideal, if there's no, if we're saying we're imperfect, then we need something to compare that to. Im yeah. means not. So what is the thing? that we're trying to be, that we are not. It's like an elephant standing yeah. around going, I'm I'm an imperfect elephant. Like, no, you're just an elephant. Yes. Like, yes. right, yes. right? I wish yeah. I were a dog. I wish, like, we are always going to be all of these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that is perfect. Yes. To, perfect but is whole. But it's right? not, perfect is not a ghost, a, you know, a Barbie, a... <laughs> culturally constructed idea. That's what we're saying. I we're think saying, that's what we're saying. We're saying, what I'm saying when I mean I'm imperfect is I don't match mm-hmm. some cultural idea yes. of what I was told is ideal. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I think that, I think pushing back against that cultural idea is where so many women are having a mo- a moment of alignment right now, because I think, and especially, you know, we're in our forties we're we're going like, what, what is this bullshit? Like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's what the forties should be called. We should all get t-shirts. Yeah. Hold up. Uh Uh-uh. What are we doing here? Myself doing some bullshit idea of what somebody told me to be. Yeah. And the hilarious part is Kristen, when we think about it in terms of parenting, Whenever you talk to a mother about why she thinks she's imperfect, she will tell you why she's human. Yeah. 
She'll list her human qualities as imperfections. Which wouldn't it be lovely if we could just be human to our kids and teach them that they could just be human? I mean, because about this all the time, because if we're trying to be these robots, I I really do think when you ask a woman or mother what she should be like, she Mm -hmm. should list an Android for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. A robot that cleans houses. Right. And that smiles all the time and that never breaks down and that never described she would Android. And then the problem is she's not raising Androids, Mm -hmm. right? Like she's raising actual human people who are going to have that entire experience. We just all the feelings. And if we raise them without showing them how to embrace all of that, they're going to wake up one day and realize they're fully human and have no model for it. They're going to think something's wrong with them. Well, I mean, that's what happened to me. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't have a model for being human. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I mean, I, I think so many of us are walking around, you know, we don't know how to do this. We didn't, we didn't have it modeled for us. Right. Not to teach us. Luckily they taught us a lot of crap we don't need. Like for example, Kristen, I don't know how to be human. I never learned how to like grieve or deal with anger, but I do know um, all three types of ancient Roman columns that I could, I spent six Ionic. Months- Let's see. Um, <laughs> Ionic. I them too. Corinthian. Yes. And there's a D. Doric. Doric. <laughs> Nailed it. Such Doric. good information. Such good information. Well, I, I could take a Bible at any given moment and find a chapter of the Bible, um, but I missed all the passages that referred to, you know, maybe maybe not needing to be this perfect somehow why did we get so hung up on proverbs 31 and misinterpret that so much right like i know why i know why i know the men because because the men interpreted it for us (laughs) that's why we're in all this shit yeah but that's cool because that's the wait a minute right yes isn't working for us anymore, right? Well, because this is a uniquely female, I I mean, not to say that men do not struggle with feeling their feelings or trying not to be a version of themselves that they, that is unrealistic. But I think we have, women have a specific brand of it that is really untenable. Yeah. Well, it's like everything that makes us human is like our dirty secret. Oh yeah. We, we want, we desire we feel, mm-hmm. we can imagine more. We like all of these things that we've been taught mean that we're not grateful enough. Right. Or maybe we're not yeah. winsome. Fascinating. Yeah. We're not, yeah, we're not positive enough. And then we, and then we have all of these, all of these, um, you know, rules around how we can engage because we don't, we should be assertive, but not too assertive because then we're bitchy and, well, and that's the other thing. Like there's no, since there's no woman doing it perfectly. Yes. There's, there's, you can, we can constantly be told we're to that or to this. And then you say, well, can you just give me, can you just show me then? Like what's, what am I going for? Right. <laughs> there's no example, right? There's nobody nailing it. So it's almost like the perfect plan to get us to never speak. Yes. It is. It is. So, I mean, for those who have not read your book, talk to me about what is, I mean, I think we're touching on the edges here, but what is untamed? What does it mean to be untamed? Well, I mean, I think that it's just the process of us being born as, you know, wild, individual, unique selves. Mm-hmm. 
and that we have that tension going on all the time inside of us while we are part of a, a, a civilization, right, that necessarily has to assimilate us into groups, right? So we've got this constant, you know, this we know that from usually from around eight years old to 12 years old is when little girls especially start to internalize their social programming, mm-hmm. right? So I might feel all this and be all this, but then I learn that I'm a girl, so I have to quiet and sweet. Then I learn I'm a doyle, so I have to somehow be quiet and sweet, but also tough and never have feelings. And then I learn that I'm a Christian, so I have to not think too much and just keep my head down and not ask any questions. But then I'm also American, so I have to be proud and never ask any questions about like it's just like thing. I'm straight. Layer after layer. It's it's just this constant. We have created um, groups where you it it requires people to choose mm-hmm. between their individuality or their belonging. Mm-hmm. Right. And that for, and I understand, I mean, you know, for our survival, we are pack animals, right? Yeah. We learn that we have to assimilate in oh, order yeah. to have protection. Mm-hmm. But I think we're entering a time now where it's really interesting, where in order for us to survive as a species, we're going to have to reverse that instinct. Yeah. Right. We're going to have to start stepping away. Right. Mm. I mean, we need men who are stepping outside of patriarchy. We need white women who are stepping outside of, mm-hmm. of um, white supremacy. We need Republicans who are stepping away from Democrats and Democrats. We need people who are who are aligning with their individual conscience more than ever. We do. We certainly do. Yeah. And I feel like I'm seeing that shift. Yeah. Yeah, I think we will. I think that this quarantine time, I, I so so much terrible I mean, I run Together Rising, so the needs oh, are yeah. unbelievable how people yeah. are saying. And I also wonder if we're going to come out of this where people are just going to, people are having major wait a minute moments. They like are. Sitting with themselves, watching our institutions prove themselves to be corrupt, sitting <sighs> with our relationships, mm-hmm. like all the distractions being gone that we keep ourselves busy from so we're yeah. not healing. I think there's going to be a bit of a rising after this. I do too. I mean, it's such an interesting time. Right before all of this happened, I was really wrestling with, I feel like we're overscheduled and Mm -hmm. I feel like my kids are like, and I write about this in the book a little bit too. I feel like there's all of this pressure for kids to do, and it's the same pressure that's on adults. It's like, get them into the right sports and put them in the clubs that'll get them into this college and, you know, put them in the the theater that that will get them into the auditions. And everything is sort of like this walk up to make sure they have every best opportunity. But in order to do those things, it's so competitive that you don't have time to be. And I felt like we were not my, my family life wasn't having time to just learn how to live, like learn mm-hmm. how to be people that at the end of the day can sit with other people and, and talk and communicate. And you know what I mean? Yes. And I struggle with those things too. I'm, you know, I'm an Enneagram three. I like to fill my schedule. I like to be busy and productive and look at me. I'm, you know, I'm a mm-hmm. good person because I'm doing things. And I was feeling like I was almost modeling that culture in my family. And I was like, we need a pause. And then this happened. And I was like, not like this. Not no, not like this. You're saying this is your fault. Yeah. You requested this. I secreted it into the world. You're welcome, everyone. It's so interesting, though. It's like we wonder how we get to age and we cannot untangle our worthiness from our productivity. Oh, right. That is a lifelong struggle for me every day. Still. 
And as creative people, like, it's just like, we feel like we don't even, we're not worthy of the space we take up if yeah. we're not like making a new idea or, sir, you know, yes. it's, it's exhausting to just, to, to live that way. And, and I think it's cool that you're, because of course, if we model that for our kids by that constant, and then there's that, there's that part of ourselves that is like, okay, well, I want to model the like slowing down, but then my kids are going to miss out. Like if I pull yes. us off the Insta wheel. Yes. It's such a. Mm. It's tough, but I will tell you, I did pull my kids off the hamster wheel because I did decide I, you know, like I want my kids to, to know how to rest and, Mm. and, you know, end a day peacefully more than I want them to be the very best at sports or the very best at singing or whatever their thing is. Like I, I would rather them be okay at things and be good humans than be like prodigies and like a mess, you know, I really feel that you are speaking my language. I mean, Abby makes fun of me all the time because my, she calls my goal for parenting mediocrity. Oh, my kids were in sports and they're, it's a different story now because when an Olympian joins your family, everything gets screwed up. Yes. But like, I would pull them out if they got too good at things. Yeah. Like I wanted them to be good enough not to embarrass themselves in PE, but like not too good to ruin all of my weekends. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I feel the same. When the, when it starts, anything, whatever it is, I'm like, if this sport or this community theater is ruining our dinners for two weeks in a row, I'm out. I'm out. And then my friends would be like, so excited that their kids got like a thousand dollar scholarship to college or something. And I'm like, but didn't you spend $40,000 on leotards <laughs> in the last decade? Like, I had that exact talk with my kids. Google. I know. Totally. I had that exact talk with my kids because they get all like scholarships. I'm going to get football scholarship, basketball scholarship. And I'm like, to what end? So I'm going to pay for all these sports clubs so that you can, you know, pr- go to a state school that doesn't cost that much money and get a scholarship. Doesn't cost as much as I'm paying now. No, not close. Not even close. (laughs) Not to mention my sanity and their sanity, which that costs a lot. So yeah, we, I'm, we are, but back to your point, I do think that this is a moment in time when my family has just learned all new skills, right? Like Mm -hmm. we've learned to have longer dinners and we've learned to, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like my kids are sitting and playing guitar with each other. I'm like, what dream world am I am? Like this, this is, <laughs> this is actually how I pictured my family. <laughs> like we and have the time. Have, and we have these moments, but we're so human that we're like, oh, I can't wait to be over too. Like we can't ever be happy with what's going on oh, in the moment. I'm, totally. I've accepted that about myself. Yes. 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 <laughs> Yes. And that in that moment of playing guitar with each other, probably one of them is going to sit on and fart on the other in a minute. In a minute. Of course. Or That's hit. why you guys take a picture of things <laughs> before the fart so that you can put it on social media and make everyone else feel shit. Look like at shit us. Night. <laughs> yeah. Look, look at us. We're just playing guitar idyllically in my living room. It's fine. Look at that filter. <laughs> Oh, no, but that is the truth. I mean, isn't that, isn't that parenting though? It's like you, you love the moment that you're in. And then at the same time, you can't wait to get to the next step because it's driving you nuts. And it's not even for me. It's like even the good moments. Like I, Kristen, 
We can play the beach. Okay, I'm about to tell you this. But I sometimes will be, re- I'm always reading. Yeah. Right? On the beach. And my kids are playing in the water. And sometimes people are like looking at us because Abby and all the things. Yeah. And I will be like, okay, like how long should I be looking at them? Like pretending to enjoy them. <laughs> like what would a good mom, like is it, do I have to do it for 20 seconds? Mm. Or is it like, like how long do I have to look lovingly at them before I get back? <laughs> Listen, I, I actually, I wrote I actually wrote a chapter about that very thing because my answer is not at all. I don't need to look at them. Here's the the thing. This is my argument. Okay. Mothers from the dawn of time have been busy, you know, and we have all these modern conveniences now that make us less busy. We're not churning butter. We're not sewing their clothes, right? We're not foraging for their food, but like, Mothers, you know, Paleolithic mothers were not sitting around admiring their children. And Ma from Little House on the Prairie was not sitting around like watching cartwheels. They weren't. They had shit to do. And we we still have shit to do. It's just different things. It's different things. Right. But like we're just, we, we're not, mothers are not meant to be passive admirers of their children all day. I just Ooh. believe that so hard. I like that so much, what you just said. Yeah, I mean, look, we can have moments, but like not everything is a moment. Not everything is a moment. Some moments are just for us to not do precious things. All right, guys, thanks for listening. If you want more selfie and more conversation, make sure you're a part of our Facebook community. It is a warm and loving place where you can ask questions about anything, even anonymously. If you haven't joined us there yet, I highly encourage it.